and how he's gone about grabbing his second opportunity is really admirable and I think inspirational. If Rossburn had an Australian grandmother, he would have 60 or 70 caps for the Wallabies right now. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB's The Hurling Pod. With Board Gosh Energy, proud sponsors of the Senior Hurling Championship. Welcome along to episode 10 of season 2 of The Hurling Pod. It's with Borgosh Energy, proud sponsors of the Senior Hurling Championship as well as the Legends Tour Series at Croke Park. We will be asking the question over the next while, can Limerick be stopped this summer after they eased to victory by 11 points against Kilkenny in the Division 1 Hurling League final? Delighted to say that Paul Murphy and James Skell are here with me to try and ponder that question. How are you lads? How's it going lads? Pretty good, how are things? Uh, Skell, our over-under was incorrect on Porky Cueve in the end. The three of us kind of thought 20,000 uh, would be possible. It's what was achieved for the first game of the league between Limerick and Cork. But I think it was just over 17,000 that went. And ultimately, maybe it's a reflection of what Kilkenny fans were thinking pre-game. It was probably 8-9-1 to nine to one, uh, Limerick supporters to Kilkenny yesterday. Yeah, and I think, I, I suppose, like... Limerick are riding the Crystal Wave at the moment, and like there's no sign of it to stop any time soon. So I think there's probably people in Limerick who are they'll travel to all the games because they're becoming a part of history, if you like. Um, that they might, like this mightn't happen again for Limerick uh, for years and years and years to come. Like potentially, as we were saying last week, they could win a number of our Ireland's, and when that stops, there's no guarantee that they'll keep going and with with the the period of domination that they have at the moment, and it could be a barren spell again. You just you just don't know. So like while things are going well for Limerick, and there's always you know an overwhelming opportunity to secure silverware for that team they'll follow them so and I, can, I can see why Kikini probably you know probably does they're mad proud hurling people <laughs> probably said to themselves we'll, we'll follow them another day <laughs> not today <laughs> but 17,000 still not a bad crowd in fairness no, it's not too bad on Easter Sunday particularly, and given the venue was a bit of trek particularly for Kilkenny supporters to go. Uh, Pat Nolan was straight away out on Twitter to Scales Point about this run of success that Limerick have had. He says, after winning the 1973 All-Ireland, it took Limerick 40 more years to accumulate a further 10 major honours. So that would be the League, a Provincial Championship or the All-Ireland. Mm-hmm. After winning the All-Ireland in 2018, it has taken less than five years to accumulate the next 10. So maybe, Paul, that speaks to the dominance of this Kilkenny team, or sorry, this Limerick team, I should say, uh, since 2018. Like That's a remarkable run of victories. If we take that over the last couple of years, we're saying, ah, the league doesn't really matter to Limerick anyway. Yeah, exactly. And um, <clears throat> it's just, I mean, the, the stats speak for themselves there. And I think when you go back, you know, the... History will tell you, particularly the crowds who would have been following Limerick back as far as the you know 50s, 60s, 70s, and I've, I've had good days and bad days and everything in between, but probably more not to say bad days, but just days they didn't bring home trophies. Exactly what James is saying there, just that you follow Limerick now and you're most likely going to come home with a trophy at the end of whatever competition you're in. That's a great feeling. It's a great thing to be a part of. It, it's exciting, I'm sure, for families as well, going with their kids, looking at this, going, you know, that's what they have an ambition to be part of and that that feeds back into the clubs as well so it's just a really feel good factor Um, and like you said I mean I think a lot of people in Limerick will be aware as well I mean all these things come come in cycles as well you know unfortunately like you'll be at the top for a long time whether it's New Zealand in rugby or whether it's Man United in soccer or whatever you might when you're up there think you're always going to be there but you won't so it's important to enjoy it while you are there and um, look at you could plain to see that they were enjoying it over the weekend as well 
if we take it, Paul, that they are very much at the top, because I don't think anyone could ever dispute that. How far ahead are they if we're to take, say, a state of the nation now after the National Hurling League last week? And it was picked up in the TV commentary. I couldn't believe that we got a shout out. And the sickening thing for Skehel as well, Murphy, he was the one who brought up the point last week about the fact that Limerick are further ahead now than they were last year. And it was you and I who got a mention for Marcus Abukla, not Skehel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, look, I, 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 so obviously looking at the clip today, and it was, it was the only thing I could understand actually from it was mine and yours name. And I said, "Geez, I can't believe James isn't in the middle of this schedule." There must have been a risk factor associated with the, saying your name schedule. I think it was maybe on social media or a, a lashback or something like that. Well, maybe you just know, can't pronounce it. I don't know. Paul Murphy, it's, just such a, it's just such a boring common name. <laughs> <laughs> James Schell is such a continental exotic name. Is that what it is? It's actually, fr- would you believe Schell is French? It's not French. It's not French. It's some old lad called Jim Schell down in the pub in Capitagal one time told the lad it was French. Doesn't mean it's actually French. Schell. That's not French. Did you come over with the Norman scale or how did this happen? There's no, there's no point <laughs> arguing with someone who's... That who's is not arguing. French. It's not French. <laughs> what is it? I'm looking at, at the spelling of it here on Zoom. I is, know. It's is it Connemara? How is it? Nah, it's, some, it's the some least lad, common name <laughs> yeah because some lad about 100 years ago I don't know he must have done something in your parish he was like I've changed the name now I'm going to slam two names together here and just chance it and that's where it came from and he told everyone it's French but we're, we're going properly off topic now but <laughs> that's okay I'm, I'm going to uh, try and you know fact check this while you're talking away well he's googling it I can tell this guy I, definitely no because I have actually I have um, there was a family history done a long time ago by, by <laughs> my American family and it goes back trying to find it now I'm terrible with my documents on my phone because I've been reading them this could take me a while I, I, may, I, have to I, turn, I may have to turn to this <laughs> I've, I've bad news for you scale here according to burkseastgalway.com which was the first uh, Google uh, search result that I burkseastgalway.com yeah so no, apparently fairness, that sounds it, like a reputable reputable website they don't want to get they don't get mixed up with the North Galway Merks or the West Galway Burks so they're burkseastgalway.com it's evident that the place name derives from the Irish Cunnock Vic Skehel, or the Hill of Max Skehel, which is in East Galway, apparently. Never heard of that hill. Ne- there is no such thing as that Hill of Max Skehel. Well, what are we talking about? They're claiming it is. Hold on now. Let's go to Ancestry.com. And yeah, there's no mentions of uh, French here in Skehel either. It's an Irish name, apparently. <laughs> well, I'm going to find the article and I'm going to link it to a pair of messers, right? <laughs> <laughs> apparently, apparently, the Skehels had red hair back in the day. Yeah, he's a hint of it. Yeah, you get mixed in with the scales, apparently. That's for all the one. You go back far enough, if you go back far enough for all the letters. Only on this podcast could a question about how far Limerick are ahead or where they are ahead turn into looking at Skell's family history. Skell, if yeah. you want to answer the question, then I'll look further into your name here in the background. But I won't lie, Will, I've forgotten the question. Right, we, so, we're right off topic there. Grant, so last week you were saying that Limerick were well ahead of where they were this time last year. Then the 12 months since, they look far more impressive. I think you even used the phrase last week that they were in third gear. We've yeah. now watched Limerick go up against what we all agreed, the second best team in the country, the team that got to the All-Ireland final, the team that got to the league final this year in Kilkenny. And they won... I would say probably far from their best at the weekend and John Kiley certainly felt that at the end of the game yeah. to hit 15 second half wides and still win by 11 points how far ahead are Limerick right now? Oh they're quite they're like you, you can only go off the evidence that's produced right and the evidence produced is yesterday's game um, and like I'm not thinking about anything else and in truth they are getting close to the championship we're only a couple of weeks out and they are just steamrolling teams and again like they didn't score for the last 12 or 13 minutes yesterday you said to yourself well they shot up 15 wides there was still an 11 point margin in the game 
and it just looked like men were spies. And truthfully speaking, if you took any other team in the county and put them into Kilkenny's place, I think the same result would happen. This, this is not a reflection of Kilkenny per se, it's just a reflection of how good Limerick are. And I just think Limerick, in my opinion, are the only team in the country that have multiple, that can play multiple ways. You know, they can play the short game, they can play the long game, they can play powerball, they can run it, they, they can just do it all. And the trouble is, their game is so good at the moment that, you know, we often speak about the Limerick possession game. And if teams try to kind of counter that with their own possession game, Limerick breaks them down. That is the God's honest truth. Like teams, the way Limerick play, they nearly force it into a possession game, if that makes sense. You know, you kind of have to, because they're so good with, with their, their scramble defence, if you call it that, with getting numbers back in the backs, that you have to play it through the lines. And they're nearly putting you in, setting you up for a trap. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Setting you into a, a, a small side, like a whole host of small sided games, possession games, running games, and they are just finely tuned and conditioned into into contracting that. And then, count, then when they return you over, they're just class. They're class. Like how they can get spa- like the space that they 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 achieve is I, st- I still haven't quite figured it out. It just I think they have a huge degree of athleticism, like a, a sick amount of athleticism. The quality of their players is, you know, far and beyond anybody else because we'll talk about the collective and the team, etc. They're so good, they're they're so well trained, they're so fit, etc. Yes, but their players as individuals and as a collective are far ahead. Like Gareth Hegarty had truthfully an off day yesterday. Blocked down three times, turned over twice, gave a ball for a point. And like, it didn't matter. It just didn't matter. Keen Lynch didn't have a crazy influence in the game. It didn't matter. They had no Kyle Hayes, no Declan Hannon, Tom Arsley for the vast amount of the game. You know, and it just didn't matter. It just like it just kept on going. So when you take those people out of the game and take their influence out of the game, and they still produce performance like they did yesterday, that tells you. That's the evidence. That says enough. Like I, th- I, th- I thought I was impressed enough last year when the hurler deer wasn't there for the whole season, and now that he's back and they're producing performances at the moment, like to the level they're producing them is scary. So how good are they? They are. There's no team in the country within eighteen points them at the minute. No team. I'm afraid. So. Not really stood out for me, Scale, actually, in that you know you're talking about the fact that they're able to scramble and maybe problem solve and all that. Is I think it was just before the hour in the game yesterday. The ball goes over to the sideline away from the camera angle and Kilkenny have actually pressed up quite high on them at this point. And Limerick are having to basically scrap in rooks and they don't get the cleanest ball out and it's not even the cleanest diagonal ball that goes to Dermot Burns. But yet Burns still finds some kind of way to readjust himself to get the ball into his hand. And he strikes it over the bar from not too far outside his own 45. It's, it's, so that ball comes back into the centre. It's a low ball, bouncing ball. He goes down with his right hand, takes it about a foot off the ground, sidesteps, I don't know who the, the kick any back was or whoever forward, and then pops it over from 70 yards. And like the thing about it is, it's absolutely effortless. So the, the team make, they, they make difficult skills look simple. If you, if you go back to Gareth Tregarty's goal last year against Kilkenny in the final, do you remember the pickup he did where he turned the hurl sideways? Mm. Like that looked like an effortless skill, but in terms of difficulty, that's quite that's, that is very hard, very hard to do. You know, so what Burns did looks quite simple. You think you'll do it yourself, but you won't. You know, it's just it's it's effortless, and they're operating. As I said, they're operating level individually and collectively. That's way above everybody else. Murph, is that a concern from a Kilkenny's perspective then? Because with the exception of the first 10-15 minutes, where Limerick were a bit slow to start, and Kilkenny got three early points within the game. After that, I felt particularly between the 15th minute and the hour, Limerick comfortably outhurled them. Is that a concern for Kilkenny further down the track? Given that we all thought last week Kilkenny were going to give this a right good rattle and was maybe an important preparation game for Championship. Yeah, it's certainly something that Derek will be looking to get out of the team. Like Something I noticed very early on was that at times Kilkenny went long and it seemed like they went long because 
they were, they felt maybe a little bit rushed that Limerick had closed them down so they hit the, hit this long ball in which was a little bit aimless and nothing came from it and you could see Derek going down the line shouting to lads show for the ball get out there and show for the ball which was showing that Kenny the plan was to try and run the ball through the lines which is, is a good plan you want to try and draw Limerick onto you if you have plans of creating that space in the full forward line but it just felt like because Limerick's tackling and their intensity was so high you often see teams against Limerick panicking and striking that ball so they go away from the game plan that they're meant to have so like this has been will have been highlighted to Derek and I saw his interview you know yesterday with Off the Ball and he just looked at me and he just said he wasn't happy he wasn't happy with certain elements how they were outfought in certain areas and like it's their work is cut out for them now in many ways like they get to enter a round robin phase now where they go um, okay lads look do you, if we have any illusions as to okay we were two points away in an All-Ireland final last year like this is this is widening now again. We need to up it and up it and constantly up it. And I think that's what Kilkenny's plan will be now going into round robin phases. Regardless who we're playing, we need at all times to stick to what the, exactly the plan is. If we're to have any chance, that's not to say that even you go out there and you stick to the plan to the letter of the law that you beat Limerick. It's just that I think Derek is looking at it now going and, and the selector saying that, you know, at times we reverted from what we were what our plan was. So did we really learn enough about our plan against Limerick to take it away in the championship and go, okay, we're, we, we were four or five points behind at the end? No, now they're going, okay, we're 12 points behind because we reverted, we did X, Y, and Z, wrong. Um, so I think they have a lot of stuff to go work on. And Derek, Derek said that himself, uh, you know. So Kilkenny can look at this from one of two ways. They can go away and say, oh God, we're, what, 12 points behind Limerick? Or they can say well, we have to find where we're going to get that 12 points from in terms of, and even just as a starting point. And I think that's certainly something. There was definitely a few examples during the game that you could even see players also were unhappy with what they're doing. Adrian Mullen took a shot in the first half. It's about 15 minutes in. And it was just wide and it was silly wide. He struck it off the back foot, but the camera turned to him then afterwards and he, he just went, you could see him giving out, like, you know, that he was he was unhappy with what he, with what he did. So there's lots of things you're going to take from this, um, but it's, it's no mean task at all what they have to do. What is the reason, Paul, for the fact that Kilkenny persisted with a tactic of going as long as they did at times when maybe it might have only been Mossy Keown or different times particularly Owen Cody found himself isolated in there where Limerick had players back and Limerick mm-hmm. were more than happy I think to take that effectively a percentage ball that was in the favour of their defenders and then rebuild why did Kilkenny go along so often? Well, I thought there was a few occasions again as I said a minute ago there just about you know, if, if if Kilkenny were getting closed down, Kilkenny didn't have the same options for players off the shoulder that when Limerick have the ball, they have options off the shoulder. You never see a Limerick player panicking because they look up the pitch and they look for that really good pass where they could ping a ball to Keane Lynch's hand or Garot Hegarty's. That's not on. They have another player. But at times, Kilkenny players were getting isolated where they'd go up the line and suddenly there was no one left or right. And now it's a case of, I'm risking being blocked down or, you know, let's say a Limerick player could turn me over here or I can strike a long ball in. It just seemed that this long ball in seemed to, I, I suppose players seemed to rely on it a small bit more when play started to break down. Like, was few balls went through the centre and there wasn't an inch of room for, let's say, John Donnelly or whoever to go and get the ball. And when they went to it, maybe mistouched the ball, went out in front of him and that turned into a ruck, which sometimes Limerick won or invariably at times Limerick won. But if you look at Limerick, I mean, there was a, an excellent example, I think, in the first half where... Park Welch was running after Arangela and space was created by the Limerick players where the full forward line had space. They delivered a long ball and Aaron Galan came sprinting out and his touch was immaculate. It was straight into his hand. And because his touch was immaculate, 
it, it, there's no way a ruck can develop there because Kilkenny can't get to that ball. Whereas if Park Welch, Park Welch didn't do a whole lot wrong. He was right up with them. It's just that their touch was so excellent. They don't allow the opposition team to develop rucks. Whereas Kilkenny, sometimes their touch was off, rucks developed. And as a result then, when the next player would come around, sometimes they would go, okay, last time we tried to run it through the lines, ball broke down and they, they ended up striking a few more long balls then. And that didn't work either because Limerick were sitting back and it was very hard for Owen Cody, for Billy Drennan. At times, you know, Billy Drennan made a great catch there in the, uh, I think it was in, in the second half, recycled it and Kilkenny got a point off it. But they were few and far between those ones. So I just think it was the fact that, I think Limerick's skill really comes into this and it's not to be underestimated, just that, how often does a ball go to Limerick player in, let's say, it mightn't be ideal, but they control it first time and they're gone. They don't allow a ruck to develop. And Limerick's ability to do that and Kilkenny's inability at times just to get that ball into the hand made them revert to striking long balls out of a small bit of panic, I feel. Yeah, like Scott, we talked last week about the overlapping defenders that Limerick bring and in many ways if you're forward against them your job becomes as much about tracking them as actually trying to get scores yourself and Barry Nash was not tracked for the first goal and found himself in space like again they highlighted on the Sunday game last night the good movement of Seamus Flanagan and also of Aaron Galan at various stages for Limerick in the full forward line but Nash pops up in a position you probably don't expect him to be in ball gets laid off to him and ultimately, a cornerback had all the coolness to finish into the net as well. Yeah, that, that's <clears throat> it's not as simple as to say that, you know, okay, obviously the run, the run wasn't tracked, right? But a couple of things didn't happen. Like, Barry Nash bypassed a whole a whole uh, kicking defence, right? And you would say, well, how does that happen? And for me, they say, obviously, I think just the, the way Limerick play as a group, you know, especially from 8, eight to 15 when they're on the attack, it, it allows so they occupy all the Kenny backs it's not as if that he ran past all the Kenny backs and they just didn't go with him like there's, there's occupancy going on so like you're on about the Flanagan move so when you see lads moving away from the goal what they're doing is just creating channels they're creating the, you know the the, the the world to see in front of them for, for, for a goal chance and it's like I, you, you would have heard the phrase before this, the pattern recognition they can see this play developing so Barry Nash can see space in front of him you can see there's going to be if I move to this space like the rest of the guys will notice that, like, and then they'll move away. If you know what I'm saying, they'll create an opening for you. Like we'd always try to our forwards and say, if we're if we're running through on goal, like don't go to the ball, get away from it and open it up, and give give the opposition defenders a serious choice to make and a, and a difficult choice to that. That's what happened. Like Mikey Buckler, for a great defender that he is, like just didn't know what to do. Nash, do I go to him? Do I stay? And next thing, goal. You know, and that's that's a that's a terrible situation being for a back, and it's not it's not. I wouldn't point to one player, whoever was marking Barry Nash at the time. It's just Limerick's system is so good, and it is like, and I, we keep saying it. Their, list, their, their system is so good; it provides opportunity for the likes of Nash. And because he's he invariably seems to be the spare man a lot of the time. Like we don't see Sean Finn making those type of runs because maybe I'm not saying he doesn't, but maybe he hasn't got the kind of finishing power like like Nash has you know, in in terms of shooting prowess because he's he he was born a forward if you want to call it that. So like we often see Barry Nash; he gets the products and fair play to him, but. In terms of how he gets there, it's not just him going by himself. It's the whole group that they, they provide this opportunity for him. And it's like, like it's how do you stop it? Says I. Like you have to defend it with. You know, it's very. This is, there's no one has figured it out yet. You know, there's no there's no opposition manager or coach or whatever, or even analyst has figured out how do you stop Limerick because they haven't been stopped in three years, and it doesn't look like they're going to be stopped for for a fourth. But it's just you have to kind of track every single one as, as best you can. You nearly go. It's got the stage, and it's, it's ridiculous to say this now, right? It's got the stage where you don't have to man. 
man marked the cornerback. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> that just came out of my mouth. Like, you have to, like, Nash is so influential. You know what I mean? And, like, when he scores, you can hear the bloody limit crowd too. They love him. They love him at this stage now because they see him as kind of a figurehead for this overall system. So it's like you have to just defend with your life with the, with the likes of him, which sounds so easy saying the words, but in, in, in practice, virtually nearly impossible. Yeah, it's not crazy though, Murph, because like last week we spoke about the 12 different scorers that they had. It didn't quite happen this time round, and you don't have Hegarty scoring, you don't have Keane O'Neill, or you don't have um, Keane Lynch scoring. Uh, you call O'Neill did get one point during the game. But outside of that, I think it was um, one six from play came from their forwards and all. But that didn't really matter because they were sharing the scoring load around. And with all the movement that they had, they were creating chances for each other. So they beat you in different ways nearly every week. Yeah, that's it. And I think it's the principles by which the team sets up um, and which they hurl with. Like, they all have great individual talent, which no doubt, like, none of this works unless they don't have that or unless they have that. So, like, I mean, one thing that I thought was was really, um, I suppose, interesting that Barry Nash said afterwards, like, it maybe gave us a hint into how they view um, the game is that he was just, he said after the game when he was interviewed that he was just looking to exploit space. That's all it was. And that's really, like, if you look at what Limerick do, you know, they seem to just, where, where's the space on the pitch and let's go and exploit it. And when the opposition have the ball, how do we shut down the space that's important to them? That's really how they seem to look at it in that if you often see a ball, let's say it breaks out to Dermot Burns, a right half back position, and he gets the head up and they're brilliant at that. They hurl with the head up, get the head up, looks up the line. Invariably, let's say, he sees a wall of Kilkenny players coming at him. They move the ball out of that situation to the far side of the pitch because there now has to be space on the far side. It just has to exist over there because there's only X amount of players on the pitch. If I'm facing now six or seven Kilkenny players because they're trying to swarm me, well, now I have to have the skill to move the ball out. And that's you start seeing him pop the ball around, pop it, pop it, pop it. And suddenly now it's out in space and Tom Arcee is out in the far wing, loads of space. And you're asking yourself, how did this come about? It, it came about because they know the space must exist somewhere on the pitch if, if it's very tight where they currently are. Well, where is the space? And go and exploit it. And, and I think that's the freedom that they play with. So like, as in, you see when they're moving the ball to pitch, like Barry Nash just went up there because he saw space appearing in front of him. So he kept going. And he kept going at the understanding, knowing that, well, if Seamus Flanagan or Aaron Galan gets the ball and they're crowded, they're looking to get the ball out of that crowded area. And he's going to be the one there to support them. So I just think that's how they view it. And 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 that's the that's just the attitude they bring to... It's not a case of I'm left corner back, I must stay left corner back. I can go anywhere, really, as long as I'm supporting the, the person in possession. So it's just... And, and, and that freedom, like, like Scale is saying there, it's very hard to turn around and say well, what pattern or what tactic actually stops that? Because that's very, that's instinct really there. They're hurting with in- instinct when they're doing it. So you can't go and just put it up on a board and say, oh, this is what they'll do, definitely. If they're fo- faced with this position, this is what they'll do. Because they're allowed hurl with instinct within the confines of what John Kiley and, and Kinnerk are telling them to do. You know, Kinnerk and the lads are saying, listen, this is the way we want to play. But within that, go and express yourself, go and hurl. You all have ex- brilliant talent. And that's what they do. So it's just, Alec, it's, it's immense. Like when you see parts of the skill there, and we talked about it already, like a markdown, even two parts there that probably innocuous in the whole thing. Well, maybe one wasn't, but Dermot Burns, the 61st minute, that score. Like the athleticism to score that. Like I'd say if you got a freeze frame of that, how low he actually caught the ball at full tilt. I mean, he's what, six, three or four. And he went down and picked that at fairly a full sprint and while turning and then pops up balances himself and strikes over the bar like that's the skill within their tactic like, which is just remarkable stuff another one I just marked down was Darrow Donovan 52nd minute Kilkenny had a puck out and like 
he was alive. Where where's the ball going? Cut out of play, got a ball, popped it over the bar, and they just chipped away. That, that's just what they're doing. They're just constantly chipping away. So, look, there's just so many things to pick through there that Limerick are doing excellent. Um, and it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's a remarkable treasure trove, really, for for the, the lads doing the stats for Limerick to try and pick through all this and just, you know, even bring it on even further. Well, Skell, it's sloppy by their standards to only score 22 scores during a game because 30 is the average. And I'm sure a big part of that is the 20 wides over the 70 plus minutes but of that 220 one of the criticisms that there has been of Limerick during the league is that they weren't really <clears> going for goals the first goal we spoke about already the Nash one but the second one is wonderfully constructed and obviously with the intention of going for goal because Keane Lynch was in plenty of space when he plays that initial pass into the forward line he could easily have settled himself put that ball over the bar but they decided to go for the juggler at that point Again, it's, it's great. Paul said it. <clears throat> it's heads up hurling. So it's recognising there's a goal on here. Like, and Kenny used to be brilliant at it in, in years previous. You'd wonder how they got so many goals. But they always used to pick the right moments. They could see that, you know, they've obviously worked in the training ground. And you've got to trust individual ability as well and team ability. So, like, when Keane Lynch takes on that ball, he knows that space will open up and that if he gives a pass of even, you know, middle and decency to Aaron Glenn or whoever, it's a goal. You know, and that's what happened. And in fairness, like they're just. And Paul said it a minute ago as well, where he mentioned about that they're, you know, they're allowed to express themselves. I don't think a team in the country, if you had someone shooting from the crazy angles Limerick shoots sometimes, and a wide or two goals, you'd hear up, you'd hear management team scream at them, "Don't do that again." But I get the feeling, and like it's often the camera is often shot to Kylie and Paul Knurk on the side, and after like these one of these crazy shots, we'd say, and there's, there's no, there's no given out there's no lambasting of, of the lads effort they're allowed go and chances thing and that's why you see some fabulous scores from Flanagan from Galan, long range from Burns Burns is plenty wide too mm. but they know if he keeps that like he'll, he'll have plenty scores also he comes away yesterday with uh, five am I right five points yesterday yeah you know so he comes away with five, five. Yeah. And it's the same. I just think overall they just recognise this. Like they recognise an opportunity. I can score this like from any any distance or any angle. Same with the goals. When they see goals on, uh, they're going to go for them. They go for the juggler, and it's it's a it's a trait of a great team that when this when when they smell blood, <laughs> they, they go for it. Like you know, and I don't know. Like with regards to Limerick, I I just can't get oh, a key thing for me is like the shot fifty one, but the shot two twenty out of forty three shots, something like that was it yesterday. Yeah, which is only fifty one percent. Which you think in championship hurling they're not going to win with that. Like no team should win with fifty one percent. And here they are winning by eleven points. I just can't, I can't wrap my head around that. Lads. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just, yeah. I'm stuck. I really am. Like I, I, as a kind of an analytical mind, I'm saying like the score two twenty, which isn't a huge score, you know, and they still won by eleven points, which which just shows an area of domination from number one up to nine or ten. Mm. Th- those yeah. positions you know well on that scale it's all about consistency because I was reading Dennis Walsh's piece uh, this morning on this so he said Limerick expect to have more than 40 shots at target in any given game uh, mm. so they'll regularly hit numbers in the mid 40s on Sunday they reach those levels which is probably the important thing is that they're creating 40 chances to shoot at goal and then you basically back your skill to hit enough inside that 40. Uh, so he then says, and the wides, when Kilkenny beat Limerick in the 2019 All-Ireland semi-final, Kylie also bemoaned their efficiency on that day. On that day, Limerick shot 15 wides to Kilkenny's eight, almost double the amount of shots and lost by a single point. While on Sunday, Limerick shot 20 wides to Kilkenny's 10, exactly double and won by 11 points. Yeah. So in many ways, you have to buy enough tickets for the lotto here if you're to beat a team. And in Limerick's case, they're creating enough chances that they're probably going to beat most teams if they're getting 40 they, shots to they go. They do, but see, the chances they create, them, them chances aren't narrowed down into, into an area. So like, for, for example, he doesn't say, 
okay, we're going to get 15 chances inside 30 yards. We're going to get 10 chances inside 65 to 30. We're going to get 10 more chances. Like, they scored, I, I, I'm going to say 113, 114 from number nine back the way. Would that be a sound about right, give uh, or take? Around about that, hold on. I think they've won 11 from the forwards, including freeze, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, they had, so let's say, one, seven, one nine, say, one, was it one? Yeah. Oh, two, one nine, one ten they got, was it? Yeah, so of the 220, Aaron Galan hits one seven five freeze, three yeah. frees from Burns, two from play. Barry Nash got a goal and a point. Uh, Seamus Flanagan, three points from play. Daryl Donovan, two points from play. Colin Coughlin got that point. And Colin O'Neill had one point. Okay, so that's, so that's, that's 111 so from the forwards. 111, yeah. So that means they got one nine from, from nine backwards. Like there's no and again I say it again there's no team in Ireland no team in Ireland scoring one nine from nine backwards so like I wrote a note down yesterday with regards to Kikini in the first half oh, like most of their shots were coming within 60 to 80 yards you know Paddy Deegan Hugh Lawler big 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 points right but for by the law of averages right the teams who, who do that won't be scored in 25-30 points in a the game they just won't they need the mixture they need the, the likes of the balls into Seamus Flanagan and Galang etc you know, to, to, to keep up with the Limericks this world. And just the Limerick are so good that their backs and their midfield will will provide you a platform every day. So you kind of half know at this stage that you're going to get eight, if not ten points out of your, your backs and midfield or Limerick, which is a, it's a frightening statistic, lads. So, Murph, there were only 34 shots, because I had to go back and check 2019 there just to be 100% sure. 34 shots in that game. Uh, the most important one was probably the one that just went wide at the end. But you kept Limerick down to well <laughs> below what they're doing now. How were you able to keep them to just 34 shots back then? Or have they evolved enough now that they're creating more chances? Yeah, they have evolved. And I, th- I just think it's the quality of the chances that they're creating now. Like, it's one thing to say, you could say a team created, let's say, 2019, 40 chances. And let's say they created 40 chances yesterday against Kilkenny. But what were those chances? Like, if, you, if I take a shot, a wild shot from my own 45-yard line and it trickles out over the far end line, that's, a, that's counted as an opportunity, as a chance. But it's not a good one. So... I think you have to look at the quality of it. And if you look at the spread of scores as well, for me, what I look at there is that there's not necessarily a pattern to it. And that goes back to feet, to what I'd be saying is that they're hurling just with instinct. And a lot of lads would have been saying as well that, you know, Limerick, they're not creating goal chances, it's boring, they're shooting from distance. But I think that feeds back into they're now creating opportunities by reading what's happening in front of them on the pitch going, oh, this team is sitting back. So let's say they're playing against... Galway next week and Galway are sitting back that's fine we'll chip away at you creating really good chances from central positions further out the pitch pop balls over the bar and we'll mix that up a small bit with popping balls into Seamus Flanagan when you step up on us a small bit we'll pop balls into Seamus Flanagan Galan, and they'll pop scores over but only in good positions whereas then yesterday let's say Kilkenny try to glut out the middle third and suddenly now the goal opportunities are coming up so they're like okay we will score two goals if, if, if you want to step up on us well now we have the opportunity to score two goals if you go back and you look at some of the opportunities let's say if you're referencing 2019 and oh, sorry who was it Dennis Welch yep. did that uh, article you look at some of them like Keen Lynch he got wide just before Colin Fenley's goal in that game and it was completely shooting off balance it was on the 21 running towards the sideline shooting back over his shoulder does he do that now? No he doesn't do it unless he knows that he's in a good position to actually shoot like he won't do flipping shots like that and you look at a lot of them they are hitting wides yeah but they're hitting wides kind of within themselves like they're they're cruising along they're creating opportunities and wides that they would class as being a little bit silly but if you look at that game they got caught at times maybe shooting from places they shouldn't have been shooting they're under pressure but very rarely now do they get put under real pressure at the moment because 
they're so good at creating good chances as opposed to just any chance where they're shooting from everywhere. And when you go back and read the stats after the game, it looks like he created 40 chances, but what, what was the quality? So the difference from Limerick between 2019 to now is the caliber of chances they're creating through, you know, being really calm on the ball, moving it around, giving it to the person in the best position. Well, now that's how they're creating chances. And that's why I think we see the spread of scores there. You know, we could look at Colin Cochran maybe scoring a point in this game, but he could pop up and score four in the next one. And there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just that he's the person in the best position when they move the ball around now and he pops the ball over. And I think that's something Kylie and Canark and the, and the lads look for as well is that, you know, you're not just a good defender. You're also a player that can move up the pitch and are comfortable shooting. So that's where I think they've evolved since then. Like, you know, they might be creating similar enough chances, but they're far better chances that they're creating now. Are we are we at a stage now where, where a team, an opposition team, because the gulf is, is so vast in my view, that we nearly have to say, right, we have to sacrifice it for forward line and bring back, you know, like you see in premiership games with top versus bottom, bring back everyone and try to attack with pace. I can't see anywhere to get around them. You can't beat them with power. They have better hurdle than everybody else, so you have to use legs and pace and speed. I, I can't see, I cannot see how anyone else gets around them. Yeah, but I, I'm talking, I'm talking 14 lads <laughs> <laughs> situated from the opposition 45 back. Welcome like, aboard, Jose Mourinho. I, yeah, but like, I, like I, I, I think one of the things that like teams have to approach first of all is like look at your players. This almost sounds like a money ball type thing of a lad who gets on base. Like a lot of players, you might say he might be electric speed and he, you know he does all these things. But lads, some lads find it very hard to get on the ball when they're playing Limerick because the the style that Limerick play. Some lads are actually kind of disappear in a game when they're playing against Limerick because let's say you play Cork next week and there's ball breaking around and lads know how to get on that. But I think there's a lot of lads finding problems with, but because they move the ball so well, if I'm not a good tackler, I might not be getting on a ball or maybe that they don't support players in possession. I think teams have to look at who are the players that really get on good possession in terms of supporting our own lads, but also tackle really well, break up the play. Like Keen Kenny came on for Kilkenny and he got on a few balls straight away like Paddy Deegan I was just doing a few as I said to you before we started just doing a few possessions just seeing where the possessions were coming in the game in terms of different players like Paddy Deegan is excellent at getting on the ball and he got on a lot of ball and I think Derek would be looking at it going what, who are the rest of our players that maybe there's lads sitting on the bench here that the next time we're playing Limerick first and foremost there's no point in having a player there that's electric speed and X, Y and Z if they're not getting on the ball and I think that's the way lots of teams have to look at it now is that some lads can disappear in a game. Some lads fight off scraps and be excellent playing against a certain team. But when you play against Limerick, those scraps don't happen. So how do they get on the ball? So I think your starting point has to go there. And again, who says to say I'm right? Who says that that even works? But I think that's a very basic fundamental team to look at now. You could have an excellent six forwards out there. But are they six forwards that rely on other players winning the ball for them to set them up? Maybe are, are there right lads to be on the pitch? And then that's it. Like that's... That's a general comment about every team that plays Limerick, not just, let's say, Kilkenny or Waterford, whoever. That's just, I think, something that team has, teams have to look at. Like, Yeah, I was going to make an NFL comparison, but I can't. I'm not allowed. Murphy has banned me. Have 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 he got a baseball one for free. Go on, give us your NFL. Baseball. I, and actually, is it the first baseball? It's the movie reference as well. Is it for, it's Moneyball, yeah. Great. Yeah. Great. Great I was actually going to say, yeah. gets on base. He gets on base. That's what I was going to say, but go on anyway. So I'm going to mark myself down for a baseball uh, 
baseball analogy there. Go on, Skelly. You're allowed to have a free NFL one each week. So. All right. Yeah. Okay. Let, let me just get the click in here in the microphone. And, uh, and it, has to be, it has to be with the Patriots, right? So there's a really good I was book. actually going to say the Patriots as well, right? That's a double click. So there's a really good book about called The Dynasty, right? Uh, I've read it too many times. But Belichick, yeah. so uh, his view at the time, right, when he was starting out with the Patriots was he had to get in a couple of real influential game change players. So that's like the likes of Brady. Uh, you know on offense Vince Wicker defense and then he surrounded them <clears throat> with really efficient people that was it he didn't go get the stars and go try piece a, a dream team if you like he got really efficient people in their positions to just to do that's where the do your job came out of so he, mm. when you put in one or two stars and then surrounded them with the other nine lads with just efficiency just efficiency yeah. people who don't lose the ball people who don't drop the ball people who you know make good tackles etc the good players will carry you over so like that's kind of leading I suppose half into with your point Murphy if you know what I mean when you talk about yeah. money ball and talking about the way teams are set up like like that who can get on the ball first then we yeah. can we surround them with lads that you know can the TJs can we surround them with TJs and own Cody's who can then make a difference as an individual yeah so I yeah. that's kind of the way you're, you're, you have to approach Limerick playing them as a collective you can't be looking and say right we're going to pump the ball into TJ and see what he can do with it do you know that's yeah. not yeah. it's not going to work it's not going to work yeah. you have to look at it from a collective view how are we going to make it the most out of TJ, the most out of Cody, and then everyone else support them, support your big players. So that's not a bad NFL. Uh, <laughs> read the book. I'll give you the book. <laughs> I think you both get those for free because you're referencing a book that was turned into a movie in the case of Moneyball and the dynasty are also looking at a book there as much as NFL. So yeah. I think they're both free hits. We can, we can cross both of them off. Good. You can have another NFL hit for free uh, later on the podcast. Um, the other point that Dennis was making that kind of got me thinking was he's pointed out that in the four All-Ireland finals won by Limerick, they've drawn from 17 players for their starting 15. He took took a look at some of the other players that have been coming through and he points to Colin Coughlin and Carl O'Neill who joined the panel three years ago when they were coming out of leaving certain out of minor. They've played less than 10 minutes across those All-Ireland finals. And he's making the point, quote, of the emerging players who were auditioned in this year's league, none of them so far have reached the level of Coughlin and O'Neill and yet Coughlin and O'Neill would still not be starters in the Crunch Championship match if everyone was available. My thinking, end quote on that, Murph, is that that speaks to two things. One, the 17 players who played across the four uh, finals, even with Keane Lynch been out for an entire year, these guys are able to hold on to their jerseys because they're bloody good. But also, if we look at the league this year, even if necessarily starters haven't emerged, even at the weekend when the camera cuts across and you see that Kyle Hayes is talking to Will O'Donoghue in the stand and Declan Hannon is sitting behind them at various stages we've talked about the fact that Hegarty was getting subbed and it was Keane Lynch who was coming on or vice versa in different games even if a starter hasn't emerged there's enough strength in the panel to keep the system going isn't there? Yeah absolutely um, like sometimes we can read into maybe how many players a team brings on and kind of say well is there any depth there or not but exactly like you said I mean what they have is just exceptional and I I genuinely believe that Kylie is still looking at this and approaching it from a point of view that I'm only going to play the best players like we've seen them on numerous occasions even though we look at the four All-Irelands we say that they've only played 17 players but if you look back to 2018 you know Seamus Flanagan was looked like he was going to be dead cert number 14 for Limerick for the next X amount of years but at the same time then he drifted a small bit at times from like very briefly from from farm through the next few years and, and Kylie wasn't afraid to put him on the bench and he came in as a bit part player and now he seems to be putting himself back in for contention and I think that sort of uncertainty it, it is there for the players in Limerick um, and, and Kylie still does have it 
But I just think that those crop of players have just constantly proven as to why they are the best players. Like, you know, if you you look at O'Donovan and, and Will O'Donoghue in the middle of the field, point out two other lads that are on the bench that are better tacklers and workhorses than them two. They're not. Like, they have the best lads there. And if we even go, we spoke last week of picking a team from the rest of Ireland that would beat them. And then we said, who of those are starters? Let's say if you have Limerick. Jeez, we were beating seven or eight players. Like, so we're talking in the country, never mind in Limerick. So it's really just a case of that the bar that those players have set is so high that you could, it's very hard to look through the rest of the country, never mind Limerick, as to who takes the jersey off these players. I mean, they're exceptional. Look at any corner, any place on that Limerick team and pick a, another player from Ireland that replaces them in that position. So if you break that down to the rest of Limerick, I mean, sure, that's even a mightier task again. So I think just it's just a simple case that these lads are just at the peak of their game. And they're a crop that are all very similar age also. You know, as in if you even look at Kilkenny 2006, 2009, you know, off the top of my head, I'd say a few more of those players, there was different ages there. Different lads were kind of coming to the end. There was younger players as well. But these lads are a lot tighter in terms of age. There bar maybe what, Declan Hannon's probably one of the, the oldest lads there. So that in itself, you know, they're young lads. They're the best at what they do. I wouldn't be too concerned or I wouldn't say that it's a bad reflection of the rest of Limerick because, you know, you look at Limerick last year in the under-20s, even not being able to play like one of their senior players, they were almost won the All-Ireland, you know. So I don't think there's too much uh, concern for Limerick in terms of depth of what's coming through. I just think the bar has been set so high that the youngsters in Limerick, it's a tough challenge for them. And John Kiley doesn't have to vary too much with what he has because there's they're winning. They don't need to change it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Skell, we said that we'd talk again about Hurler on the Ditches comments coming in with the hand passes. And in many ways, this actually became practical because of what happened at Porky Cueve. So we can talk about what happened in Porky Cueve as much as about whether it needs to be uh, clamped down or not. Paul Edward, the referee called quite a few illegal hand passes at the weekend. I'm not sure if he's been listening to any of the commentary around this, or did you notice at least, because when I was watching the game, I noticed there were more frees than usual that were being given for what was perceived as illegal hand passes. Yeah, think. I think Pod was listening. He must have he been. I think he was listening. I think the referee in the minor game the day before with us was listening too. <laughs> he pulled us a few <laughs> times for questionable calls. <laughs> Um, I and again but the thing is from the television perspective views where I was watching it um, I couldn't argue with the calls I get, I, I, but I couldn't you know you, you know, you look at the television we said last week the margin let's say of, of separation from the ball to the hand is so minimal that you, you know you, you would think as a neutral that it's it's obviously not it's not a, a legitimate hand pass but I, I have no problem with them calls to be honest uh, Will. I, I really don't I don't I understand as, as skilled you know, levels of, of the hand pass developed over the last X amount of years, the degree of separation became less and less and less because I suppose players were getting faster at it. But I think we have to keep pulling it. And I know, and I know th- there's moans and groans out of the crowd. I get that. And even you feel like you're breaking the play, you're stopping it, you're stopping the, flu- the, the fluidity of the game. That's fine. But I think just for, for parity across it, those calls have to be made. I don't think it's an, it's a, an epidemic of any kind of sort, but just make the calls. And over time, I'm not saying today or tomorrow, but over time, months maybe this year players will get the picture players will get the picture that they know that there's there's a chance here that if I you know don't provide a good enough separation it's a free and nowadays in terms it's a point against, against you so I've no, I've no argument with that uh, Will there be a consistency Murph I guess is the main question because 
I'd be with Skehel. I think when you saw the freeze been given, you're saying the officials have got this right. They've spotted hand passes that were throws and therefore they're penalising it. But it was during the earlier sections of the league last year that there were quite a few frees given. And then as the year went on, it kind of drifted away on it being clamped down on. Will we see a consistency now after the league final or does this feel like a bit of a one-off? Um, I, it's hard to know. Like, I mean, we often see with rules coming in that, you know, let's say the face guard came in there a while ago and, you know, it's been clamped down and we saw players. When's the last time we saw a player getting sent off for grabbing a face guard? It, it hasn't happened in quite a while. Maybe they're not doing it anymore. Maybe they're more, more aware of it. Um, but maybe this was just a reminder again. Maybe, like, I mean, again, it's it's like anything. Every so often, you know, referees meet and they have their meeting and say, listen, lads, you know, we, we can see it there. It's also out in the media that, you know, we're, we're kind of slipping here a small bit in terms of calling the hand passes. So I think there's a little bit of that. And I think teams will remember, like, I know from just being involved in teams, before you go out in a game um, or even in training sessions and things, you will be speaking of things that are going to give away a stupid freeze that the opposition are going to score and it's silly to give away. And I think the hand pass is one. And I, I think teams will reference this going forward that look at the league final, you know, if we're playing Kilkenny or Limerick or Galway or whoever, you know, we don't want to give them three points from silly hand passes because invariably, if you do a stupid hand pass around the middle of the field or anywhere like that, a good county's free taker would put that ball over the bar. So if teams are smart, they'll want to clamp down at themselves anyway because they don't want to give the referee any bit of doubt. But, you know, funnily enough, there was one, I think it was with Tom Morrissey about 10 minutes ago yesterday, and he was blown for it. And I think in the slow motion afterwards, like when I saw it in real time, I was like, well, yeah, that's a free... But then afterwards, I think when the slow motion came in, he actually had good separation and gave the hand pass. And like you can't fault Pod on that because I thought it was a foul as well. But when you go back and you look at it, it's understand. It's actually you can understand how a player would get frustrated as well because I suppose Tom Morrissey, if I remember correctly, you know he did create space and he would have felt that was a grand hand pass, and now he's being blown for it. So it just goes to show you how fast it's happening, and that's it. They have one chance to look at it, so they're invariably going to get it wrong at times, but. You know, fair play that they clamped down, especially for the league final. Every, you know, inter-county player would have been watching at the weekend. They can see it's happening. County managers will be looking at it. And like I said, they'll be saying now, listen, lads, no point in giving away two or three stupid frees during this game for the opposition to get a few points in us. So it maybe it'll just be a reminder. But again, I guarantee if we see a championship match that's absolutely flying, and let's say Kilkenny and Galway are playing, and it's just a cracker, you can guarantee they won't be blowing too many in that one because it, it's like you go back to the Munster final last year and there was so much happening that like there was nobody thinking about you know these hand passes and different things. So if we get a good cracking match, I can guarantee they'll be forgotten about because the referee will just be so preoccupied with everything else that's going on. Well, you won't right. get the Northern Park in it. Are you trying Hello? to claim historically they were never given skill? Let's tease this out. Yeah, the, the crowd, yeah, they're, they're tough down there today. You want your target free down Northern Park? Are you, are you referring to are a you recent touching on the weekend? Yeah. No, no, I'm yeah. just saying in general, for, I'm just trying to uh, draw some attention to the fact that oh, we are playing Kiki this year in Northern Park. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Skell, before we wrap up on the Division 1 finals, I've got a, a couple of questions each for you before we do wrap on it. Um, that reminds me about the minor game. So I saw the clip of Aaron Nyland and straight away when I saw it start, I'm thinking, ah, remember this about Joe Canning last week saying go for a point? And then, of course, the commentators on the clip, which is stuck up by Clubber, uh, who are hosting the uh, games on the streaming at the weekend, they actually said, I think Aaron Nyland is going to be sensible here. He's going to shorten his grip and he's going to tap this over the bar. And instead he goes low and goes for goal. So it's just not in his nature to go for points, is it, Skell? <laughs> 
I have to be careful what I say here, actually. <laughs> well, look, you're coaching him. I mean, he'll turn around to you and say, I scored a goal, didn't I? You know, you have players that have a certain degree of talent, you know. Mm. Not, not, not the normal five eights for a player, and he, I, I just think he's one of those. Like, and he has the potential. I used, used the word before him potential to be to be very good and effective, and to be a long stay for the seniors. And with that talent comes a degree of confidence, like in his own abilities. And at that at that time, I was clearly shouting at him <laughs> to go over the bar, you know, because we're okay. We were six up, and I'm thinking, right, if we just go to seven, it might you know turn it a bit better for us. It was a tight enough game at that point, and then he sticks it. Like, and he tried in the first half too. He tried in the first half, but it still didn't deter him. Like he just like ah, again. I, I, it's it's the beauty of youth in, in the sport, isn't it? You know, they so believe in their own, in their own capabilities that they go for it. And I, I have no doubt that you know if he got the same situation again, you know, in the same in, in the same scenario, in the same game, he, he'd try it again. It, it's just it's him as a young lad. He's a, he's a special special young fella. I think he scored something like seven seventy now in six minor games, something like that. Let, let him go for goal so Colin McCarthy I'm, I'm on, YouTube, on YouTube <laughs> by the way was making a point that I, it took me about three reads to actually guess the joke on this one but it was a very good one Colin McCarthy are we all just going to ignore the fact this is on our YouTube comments from last week that someone in Galway has called their kid Aaron Nyland so this I was sent to me. This was sent to me by. by uh, oh, I, I only got it there now. A, yeah, a, a friend, a friend <laughs> from Clarence Bridge, right? And when I read the joke, I was like, "Is this guy mocking his name? You know, yes. what, what, what am I reading here?" And I had to, yeah, I had to read, I'm not joking. You read it three, four. I had to read it ten times. <laughs> because I believe that. I believe that. That's could be. You just, you just, you just got there. You just got there, Murph. Just get over it. Right? Yeah, me, I didn't read it ten times. Not before ten. Like, I mean, <laughs> bigger speech, my friend. Come on, relax. Actually, hang on for a second. You like. You look at team sheets with this man on it more regularly than I do as well. And you still haven't. <laughs> it still hasn't dawned on you. For context is everything. Why would I think about that? Hey, <laughs> right, come on. Uh, Peel back a small bit now, right? Peel back a small bit. Uh, Aaron Island, for anyone who didn't get the joke, if you were to say his name ever so incorrectly. Um, but yeah. Good. Aaron I, Island. Hadn't even good. spotted it. So there you Maybe go. especially with pronunciation. It probably does too. See, you're quite clear down there in Aaron Island. We're kind of. I'm sort of Aaron Island, you know. <laughs> It's such a yeah. more country in West. <laughs> his middle name is Inish Moore or anything like that, if they may call it off like <laughs> Inish Boffin. Oh, it's been a long time since I was in Northern Ireland. Oh. The other Galway-based one, Skell, because again, I'll probably forget if I don't include this now. How many people, because I had legitimately, I would say about 10 people in real life talk to me about you picking Glenn at full forward last weekend. How many times has it come up in conversation for you? I'm not, I'm not joking. Like, I, I thought I was bad enough for people approaching me and DMing me and messaging me after the the the, the so-called rant I had about Davy. The discussion you had about Davy, yes. <laughs> this 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 struck people on four corners of the not even the country. I'm talking about the globe. Like I like everybody needs to relax. Like this game isn't happening. It's not fixed. Right, everyone just relax. You know what I mean? We're not we're not getting to training next week. Well, you might I've you might have been justified with it. I mean, I was, fairness, I, I was big win for New York over the weekend. Johnny Lynn, but he nearly carried off the pitch by all accounts. Yeah, with that's, the cramp. that's the influence he can have, lads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. have, right? <laughs> you were talking about Moneyball. I need a lad to break up a few Limerick lads in there. <laughs> <So he's, laughs> Um, I was down in West Clare myself and, and, and the missus and her family just for her mother's birthday at, over the weekend there and I, I, in fairness I thought West Clare respectfully speaking was kind of football country but so it was mentioned to me by Johnny Glenn 
Or, why are you putting him on the team? Like, I'm like, just, man, relax. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> Jesus, this is not actually... This picture hasn't been cleared by Central Council. Like, <laughs> and would you like to respond to the claim as well that some people made, I think, on TikTok, on Instagram, on a few places, that when Johnny Glynn played in 2018 against Limerick, he had a quiet game? He was being fouled. Left, right and centre. Oh, and I will go. stand by that. Like... Okay, okay, no, I have to take a breath. No, no, no. He was just, maybe he was, he was being fouled. That's what I'd say. I, I thought he was being fouled a few times. But look, he had a quiet game, fair enough. Lads have quiet games. Hegarty had a quiet game yeah. yesterday. It's not to say that he doesn't play tomorrow. Hegarty doesn't blow up the place. They can score one, six or seven again. Same with Johnny Glenn. People have off days. I thought you were going to give credit to the Limerick full back line that day. Uh, no, I, I stick with my own. I was accused of being overly biased then as well with the team I picked. Uh, it wasn't as biased now as the was it all around the GEA where there was a few tip names that came in there Murph that we weren't quite sure about uh, I think I think there was the only team I saw picked were Owen Murphy's not the goalkeeper well can I put mm. in there first go on before you on. Murph I actually started laughing out loud when I saw Murph's response to that gentleman Murph was just so nice and gentlemanlike and you know oh it's a fair team well done etc yeah fair to well, say I, from tip I was burst to me whole laughing <laughs> my response would have been way different <laughs> maybe that's a bit that's contrast like, what's, what's the point? The lads did a graphic and all. They, they sat down and did the time because it turns out it's actually three of the minute and did a graphic and all. So what I was going to do, lambaste them for picking a team that maybe I didn't agree with. Yet we're sitting here every week saying, look, at, I'm only picking a team. You said it 30 seconds back <laughs> yourself. This game isn't happening. So what I was going to do, go in like, and absolutely destroy the fella when I just it's, didn't agree with his team. No, it's the contrast of opinion I find. So like Murph is at one, one side of the spectrum whereby he goes, right, ah, let's approach this in a nice way. And then people I have met are the other side literally attacking me, wanting my head for putting in Johnny Glynn, you know. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't think a question would stoke such debate I was saying I I think there's actually something with this right so if you ask anybody if you were to ask people to anonymously submit their teams and we were to guess where they were from you'd have a fair idea of gauging where they're from judged by who's in the team I was going to say I didn't know there's three lads involved with all around the GA but I was thinking it was going to be a South Tipperary fella because the reason there was a Cork one I think it was Coleman he had in there Mm -hmm. so I was saying that's that's a South Tipperary person I'd say but they explained that what it was I think there's a Kilkenny Cork and Tipperary person involved okay. because like and that explains it a bit more but I guarantee you like it's hard not to have a few biases when you're picking it and also you look at the players involved that little bit more so I'd say if you put down like five teams or if you put down ten teams in front of us we didn't know where the people were from you'd get you'd get more than half of them right as to the general area of where that person was from in the country I just thought that was interesting because people were sending in teams and yeah. they're there going I can tell where you're from like you know so yeah. it's it's uh, it's it's funny it's funny seeing it but like fair few great responses it was brilliant seeing a few a few responses but in fairness like I said Skell the boys put in a graphic fair play to him you really? both annoyed the Dublin and Wexford juries by the way uh, most of the messages I got from people who were annoyed were where's Donald Burke he's been the best player in the league and you guys haven't picked him and we both we both had Donald Donald yeah. yeah didn't we and did, like, yeah. different positions okay, but what happened yeah. I think but yeah. the question uh, okay, the question I ask is okay well, let's put in Donald Burke who's he going for that's the thing if you have TJ if you have Tony Kelly if you have you know you know, even the middle of the field there like where Donald Burke would pop up I think I Adrian Mullen Jamie Barron like I mean you could stand there all evening and argue and not get anywhere as to why you would or whatever now like I mean Skell has left a hole wide open there at full forward that's why he is to defend <laughs> no, he, can't, he can't play for forward <laughs> <laughs> has to be number 10 
<laughs> uh, the other one was uh, Lee Chin came up and then look, this again it, it brings us around to me asking both of you about what happened at the weekend and uh, Murphy you've tweeted in quite elegantly about this today it was even on Hogan stand Kilkenny legend Paul Murphy is what you were called when they put your tweet into their story um, we've all seen the video I think the video at this stage is up on a few of the websites I think the independents definitely have it up now at this stage it was the challenge charity game at the weekend at the Carrick Swans Club in Tipperary uh, it gets a bit heated towards the end of the game between the two groups of players for anyone who didn't see it there's about a minute left on the clock I think at the time and then a supporter uh, who is not linked to the Carrick Swans Club Tipperary were very keen to point out uh, then shouts a racist comment at Lee Chin I thought, Murph, my first reaction was that Rory O'Connor was probably the most restrained man around because he goes over to obviously question the man who shouted this, but probably did very well to actually restrain himself not to get involved in any con- kind of confrontation with him. He did extremely well. I, I was, I, you know, I was really, I suppose, um, not to say not surprised, but, you know, it was very admirable how he conducted himself because I can tell you when you're on a pitch, like they were in the middle of a row, let's say on a pitch. No, I mean, handbags, it was not the major, like, you know, but there are certain things that could be said in that situation whereby a player could fly off the handle because the blood is up as it is. Uh, and that is certainly one of those things where a player, and to be honest, you know, you don't condone it, but you could understand someone reacting in a situation where you hear something as disgraceful as that and you react. But, I mean, full credit to Rory O'Connor how he conducted himself because it didn't take any of the limelight off what happened in terms of not distracting from the situation, um, which I don't think anything should anyway. But, you know, you have to admire the extra players, how they reacted in that situation. And like, there's not, I suppose there's, there's no more can be said on it in terms of what hasn't been said already across social media and everywhere else that, you know, it's just disgraceful. And look, I, I'm sure he, he like, he doesn't represent, he doesn't represent anybody in Tipperary, GA. He doesn't represent anybody in Carrick Swans and a lot of people from Carrick Swan as well. Um, it's just an individual with a disgraceful attitude. That's really simply what it is. Yeah, a few people tweeted me and they were very um, quick to say, look, you got to say this is one person and it's an isolated incident. I, I take that entirely, uh, Skell. The only thing is, it probably is important to challenge this. And we heard Lee Chin directly challenge it within the clip as well, mm-hmm. where he says, you're standing with a load of kids behind you and you're making this type of comment and it's bang out of order. And also we saw in that minor game between Offaly and Waterford only a few weeks ago that there was an incident there. Really so if this isn't that. challenged and talked about, it's very easy to write it off as just been one thing. Even like challenge is, is that's a minor word. I think this needs to I think there needs to be an example, a really set example. You know, I, I, I have to I have to say and the thing is, right, that there was one person that made that comment. But the trouble is there's there's ninety nine point nine 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 percent of people agree with everything that Murph is saying, you're saying, what Wild say, etc. that this this but there's there is this a very, very minor minority of people who will who will try I won't say defend it, but like deflect it. Do you know what I mean? So I think the GEF make an example of this, a real example of this. So find that supporter, I use that in inverted commas, find that attendee and make an example of them. And I, I, I go as far as saying because even they, they might think the severity of the comment is low, but in over, over across the rest of the GEA, everyone thinks it's extremely high. So I, I, I'm going to say a lifetime ban. You can't do that. Like, you just can't. Like modern society has moved on so far away from that, that shit. See, see with the language that this, this person just deserved to attend the GEA game. Just deserved to have like kids listen to that you know, uh, doesn't deserve to have, you know, Lee Chin's parents, relatives, teammates. And like I will say, Murph, Rory Connor is a better man than me, Les. Hands up. I, I, I said to you, I, I admitted, if that was me in that case and one of my teammates was, was subjected to racial slurs, xenophobia, whatever you want to call it, I would I would have nine times out of ten 
struck your man <laughs> not going to lie like which would have caused more hassle so huge huge credit goes to Rory Connor, who held a monumental level of reserve not to react in, in a physical manner you know challenge him verbally grant fair but now let the authorities take care of it and I hope they take care of it and I think there's a widespread condemnation of that kind of comment and I think the people in, in headquarters in GA will make an example of this person because it's way worse I understand and there was a video I'm not sure what county was in maybe Roscommon or Mayo and again I'm not saying it's any lesser where there was like an, maybe a potential assault on an, an umpire referee I, that that has to be con- they, he only got a two year ban for that that was Roscommon you know, last, last summer was that, was that a 96 yeah. week ban? yeah and I think 96 weeks is likely to be the the punishment on this one as well I, like, I don't agree with that I think that's way too lenient and I would say scale on both uh, those cases I think 96 weeks is too lenient um, someone putting their hands on an official and in this case, someone racially abusing a player. And like the thing as well is I a lot of people have been making the argument and I actually thought that the I listened to Southeast Radio yesterday morning when Neil Martin the Wexford chairman was on, and I thought he made his point very well when he was talking to Alan Corcoran that Lee Chin is a role model and that they have to pursue this and challenge it because Lee Chin is such a role model and because they don't want a situation where, you know, the next generation of players will be subjected to what Lee Chin was subjected to on Saturday. But it shouldn't matter whether Lee Chin is a role model or not. This could be, you know, a player you don't particularly like no one should be subjected I, look, to this. I ha- but I have to say like, like racism is not it's not genetic it's not you know you're not. it's not built into you it's taught it's a learned behaviour it's taught you know what I mean so yeah. like it's, we use, it's, it's monkey see monkey do do you know what I mean if you see someone else do it you'll copy them so for the youth like that there's, there's a child going home now right that potentially thinks that comment is okay do you know what I mean that, that, that's, that's, that's a huge concern for the GA so that's why I think there has to be a serious example made of this person and if, if, if anything occurs again in, in club games or whatever I, I I like to hear players sticking together cancel the game get out of there just walk off as a unit etc and then make, make an example of the person because it's taught and if young people hear it you know how impressionable they are they're like sponges you know what I mean they hang on to every word so like that needs to be um, stamped out entirely, entirely if it turns out to be a two year ban uh, Murph is, is probably likely to be the case here is that enough of a deterrent or is that enough of a punishment to actually send a message out? Oh, not at all. Like, there, I mean, there's 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 things you can do, not things you can do, there are things that happen within sport, uh, let's say outside the, the four lines or even inside them as well, um, that nothing covers, that that band doesn't cover uh, the, the scale or the scope of, of what happened. Like, it, the first thing popped into my mind was that, you know, I don't want to go to games in your time potentially be standing beside this person like if if this is their attitude. And like at the end of the day, we're an organization. We can decide our own rules. You know, potentially the organization might be hamstrung at the moment in terms of what rules are in place that they can actually enforce at the moment. I don't know. Like I don't know the ins and outs of it. But if they have to change it now, change it now. Like you can't, you ca- cannot have this. And like again, us as members of the organization and supporters of the organization, that's where my voice would be in terms of if if the peop- the powers that be are deciding sitting on the table deciding wh- where do we need to go with this well I think as as Gail said ninety nine point nine percent of people would say to you absolutely zero tolerance with this because it almost puts a it almost quantifies it by saying that ninety six weeks is enough it's it's absolutely not enough like this fella should be absolutely like you know cursing what he did like he should really feel the you know the, the ripple effects of this big time if he enjoys going to games you're not going to games again and you're identified as a person who should not be at games and let that be your penance let that be the thing that you like if, if that's the most we have at our power we'll do it so 
you know, it's it's not. Quite simply, like, just to bring it back to where we're asking, is it enough? It's not. And even when we referenced the one in, in Roscommon, it's not for that either. It's absolutely not enough. Um, and again, I know some people would, would, would weigh in and say, well, the scenario is X, Y, and Z. Maybe I don't know enough about the Roscommon situation. But like we said, laying your hands on someone, particularly a referee who already has a hard enough job and an official. I mean, it's disgraceful. So, no, I just think whatever whatever the current powers are, everything needs to be thrown at this person now. Um, it would it would be good of them if they turned around and gave a public apology, regardless of what's going to happen anyway. Um, because I think it's it, it is somewhat of, a, of an example to say that there is regret in what they've done. Um, but it's just such it's it's something you just don't want here, and particularly again, leech in like again because I know sometimes it can get maybe get lost. Like leech in is one of the biggest gentlemen you're going to meet. He's um, sound. He's a sound is funny, you know. Yeah. Uh, gent of a fella I've been lucky enough to be on trips with him and sometimes you know nearly in the conversation of the whole thing you nearly forget you know the, the fella that's behind it all like wouldn't pull a dirty stroke on the player fight really hard and at the end of the day you'd walk off the pitch shake hands you'd meet him you'd have a point gent of a fella so like you know let none of that be forgotten in all this of just even the exceptional person he is and also, just to, to totally finish up on this as well, I saw some people saying that this is like an incredibly isolated incident. This hasn't happened for years and so on. The thing is that Lee Chin has spoken before about things being shouted at about matches. Um, was watching, I think I sent to you a few weeks ago, I was, I was watching the, you know, the hurling series, the game that was on after the Sunday game, I think it was two or three weeks ago, and Sean Oak spoke about it. That initially when he was coming through, uh, Sean Oak helping this is in Cork, that he was having people uh, shout racial slurs, particularly about Vietnam and about China at him. And he thought this was like the most unwelcoming thing that could happen. Now his teammates came in behind him and he got through it. And in the case of Lee Chin, he had to listen to this stuff and he's come out the other side. No kid coming through should have to listen to it. And we're getting to a point now where I think the GA will become more inclusive in time and there are more people coming in from uh, different backgrounds to play sport. And whatever sport they're playing, they should be able to go and play sport without having to listen to that kind of shite. So hopefully um, this will be dealt with fairly swiftly. It was also good as well that Tipperary and Wexford actually came out and got their statements out as quickly as they did and it seems they've both been working together and I reckon it's going to be very easy to identify this guy because some of the supporters beside him were also telling him to shut up when he was making the comments on Saturday as well so I think he'll be picked out pretty easily we'll see what the punishment is going to be uh, outside of all that we had the first round of the Joe McDonough as well uh, great result for Offaly against Leash. I will say from an entirely biased point of view uh, Owen Cal with two goals and 12 points he's been shooting the lights out this They're year shooting. so far uh, Joey Keenan got a goal as well um, Offaly weren't scoring goals in the league so that was a pleasant and supplies in uh, Tullamore on Saturday afternoon and it's a very disappointing start for Leash because Leash were the team that came down and would have been the favourites uh, pre-competition to go back up what I thought was interesting uh, Murph was that Willie Maris said after the game that sometimes you can kind of get into a bit of a slump that they've been trying to change things the results have not been good in the National Hurling League they were relegated when they played against Westmead and in some ways that kind of mentality can kind of seep into a panel and he was saying the big job that they have now is just getting them up off the floor to win the rest of their games to try and get into a final now yeah and and, and that's the thing it's it's I suppose you know when you're, when you're putting in a process into a team and you're trying to get a team to play in a certain way and sometimes results don't go your way sometimes you can maybe doubt the process and um, it, it can be tough at times for everybody involved, you know, in terms of management and players. But like, you know, William Aaron lads, like, I mean, they're a great manager, you know, extra manager there. They have great players as well. Like, it's, I know they're in their bubble now and they're going, you know, geez, do, can we do it or can't we or why can't we? And the why is some often the big question because you're saying, what is it that we're doing that we're just not closing out? Sometimes it's just a confidence thing, you know? And you often hear teams, uh, 
you know, working really hard and things not working out for them. And sometimes they just kind of step back from them and say, listen, lads, you know, I'll take a few nights off here now, have a few points and we'll go back at it again. And sometimes yeah. that's the reset button. And other times it's, okay, maybe we haven't done enough and you have to maybe up the tempo. So there's lots of things there that, you know, could be just the thing that allows Leash to turn the corner. And one result there would build momentum for them in terms of getting that monkey off their back and going, okay, actually, hang on something we knew the whole time here is we have the players we have what we need to go and win a match but it's just the, the thing of just getting that off their back at the moment because sometimes a little hoodoo can come over you there of maybe doubting yourself so that's important for, for them at the moment now is just you know getting the results that kind of shakes that that form from the league and a few other results and um, look at I, I, I've no doubt they, they've, they've great management there that I'm sure will make great calls and uh, look at it we've all been there we've all been in that position we've all been part of teams where you're there and it's not a simple place to be but um, look at I've no doubt that they'll, they'll, they'll turn a corner you know for them they'll be hoping sooner than later Skell I'm going to put Owen Cal on you know your hybrid hurlers from last week because I remember Owen Cal when he was a young player playing in goal against you guys with Galway having quite a good game on his championship debut and the match yeah he was fantastic that probably mm. spoke about the way the game went how busy Tullamore. he was during it too it wasn't Tullamore yeah but for him now the last three or four years he's developed into an elite forward as well and 212 is serious shooting he's been um, right up there at the top of the scoring charts for the National League uh, what he did in Division 2A this year so he's been crucially crucially important yeah. uh, for Offaly the other thing that stuck out in my mind about Offaly from the last weekend and I haven't thought about this entirely I need to have a think about it at some point there cannot be any other county team that has more sets of brothers involved than Offaly have had over the years and that's carried through to this team as well I think it was five different sets of brothers who were involved in that game at the weekend on the panel and there was also a string of lads who were playing who have older brothers that would have played with the county before as well. And that's not even counting when you go back a bit and you think of uh, the likes of the Pilkingtons, the Dooleys, uh, the Troys, those brothers who would have played uh, together before. So it just maybe speaks to how small a pick Offaly have, but also bizarre that they have so many brothers uh, here at the same time as well. If we have a player of the week, I want to give it to Paddy Boland for Carlo. 26-minute hat-trick for him. They raced out to a 19-point lead against Kildare. They went on to win by 19 points. Well, 523 to 19. It's serious going. Conor Keogh got two goals for Carlo as well. I, I think there might be a slight bit of an emotional hangover for Clare yeah, off the back of the Division 2A final. I didn't see that coming, Will. No, I really didn't. I mean, it's a magnificent scoring difference for Carlo as well, Skell, which is going to be helpful given that these teams are likely to beat each other mm-hmm. along the way too. Like, I mean, like that that's a flying start against a Galera team who've been doing so well. Yeah. Jeez, I, I didn't see that coming at all. I actually, <clears throat> truthfully, I, I, when I looked at the, all the fixtures, I was just you know, marking down who I thought would win. I did think Offaly would win. I, I circled, I circled Kildare. I thought just with the with momentum, and momentum is a key thing. And like Murph touched on a few minutes ago, we're on about confidence, the leash, let's say. Um, and it's very hard, like I said, Murph, when you get into those positions, it's very hard. You got to be super courageous to keep at it and stick the course. I thought Kildare, okay, beaten in a, in a, in a league final, fair enough. But they gained great momentum from getting that far to the, to the last stage of the competition. And I thought they'd carry that forward and build again. I was very surprised. I did not think that. You know, I thought they'd win, would you believe, by a couple of points. I didn't think they were going to get beaten by, what, ni- what ni- 19? Yeah. I didn't see that coming at all. No. Yeah. Good good start for your neighbours there, Murph. Um, we're talking about Marty Cavan and his scoring. And he got 12 points during the game too, not to take away from Boland and Kyo uh, getting the five goals between them. But uh, that's the perfect start. I mean, Carlo have to go to Kerry this weekend, which is probably another proper test for them. It was two very difficult fixtures to start with Kildare and um, Kerry away before the break. But if Carlo were to get a result against Kerry this weekend, they'd be well set for the final with the way they've started. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's 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 savage momentum for them. If we talk about 
uh, you know, leash there, trying to maybe figure out where can they, you know, correct things and where can they go right again. Suddenly now, Carlo have got savage momentum from a game they maybe weren't expecting to come away with, you know, a real G up. Like if they went and won it, brilliant, fantastic, you know, but coming away with a performance like that really will build huge confidence within that camp. And again, as you said, like an enormous score difference there as well, which again, a game you weren't expecting to come away with a big score difference like that. So like I think there's obviously learnings as well for Kildare. You know, Kildare have obviously had a brilliant year, but within that is, I suppose, learning how to be on the road this many weeks and then changing your focus of attention. Like, I mean, I'm sure David Herity and the lads will look at it and they'll have their own explanation to try and put their finger on it but that's that's a job they have now in terms of going this is how quickly the landscape of hurling can change and mm-hmm. how quickly your weeks can go from okay moral victories week before and looking at your league and going brilliant and then suddenly you're going down and getting a result like that but no for Carlo it sets them up brilliantly and I think if anything you know they'll be looking into that Kerry match and going that's if we go out there and perform it with that performance which we're capable of that's an enormous platform for us now for the rest of this. So like, I think there's, they're going to be smelling blood and it's going to be a tough challenge as well for Kerry because look at Kerry, great players there as well. Uh, but at times during different games, we've seen Kerry whereby they've maybe sat back a little bit too much and when the game was getting away from them, they didn't push up. You know, we, we, we talked of a few Kerry supporters even using that as an example. So, you know, Kerry will know that Carlo are coming with momentum, coming with a lot of scores as well, could potentially sit back. But if you're not putting it up at the other end, potentially this Carlo team is could run away from you. So look, it seems to be in a good place with the in the Carlo camp at the moment. Um so I think they'll be just hoping the next game comes as quick as it possibly can because they won't want teams to even think too quickly about what happened against Kildare or dissected. It's just they'll want to keep playing next match as quick as they possibly can. Yeah, Shane Connell with eight points for Kerry. They beat down 126 to 114. So the game's this Sunday. Kildare against Offaly. No venue confirmed for that. Kildare at home in the next two weeks. Uh, St. Connell's is up for renovation currently. That renovation work's already started based on some of the pictures uh, that Kildare GA had up. So I'm intrigued to see whether it's going to be Hawkfield or possibly it could be a tie or maybe Clane being used for Kildare for the next two games. They play Offaly on Sunday. Repeat the Division 2A league final. Leash at home against Down and Kerry versus Carlow. And that is where we're going to leave the main pod for this week. But fret not, there will be more hurling content available a little bit later on this week. If you're a subscriber to the Hurling Pod feed, and why wouldn't you be at this point if you're a fan of the pod? If you're in the Hurling Pod feed, 10am on Wednesday morning, you get a bonus pod, which is going to clock in at about 40 to 45 minutes, taking a look at the questions that came in from last week's pod. Only about six of them are about Johnny Glynn, uh, but plenty more besides that Scale and Murphy are going to be taking a look at, about the upcoming championship, questions about their own career, and even they're going to pick their favourite referee on Wednesday's pod. So that's at 10am on Wednesday morning, exclusively in the Hurling Pod feed. If you're subscribed there, you might give us a rating or stick a comment wherever you pick up your podcast it helps to get more people listening to the pod and also if you're a video version viewer as opposed to a podcast consumer you can get the full video of both this pod and the bonus pod 10 p.m on wednesday on the off the ball youtube next week we'll be back with a bumper preview ahead of the leinster and munster championships speak to you then otb's the hurling pod with board gosh energy proud sponsors of the senior hurling championship 